If you're looking for a trusted source of natural supplements, look no further than NutritionW.com. Since 1979, Nutrition World has been a staple in the Chattanooga community with dedicated research specialists that stay ahead of the trends to make sure you have the most reliable products available at the most competitive prices. All of their supplements are vetted for quality, effectivity, and potency and shipped using the utmost care with cold packs included in each and every order. You can shop online now at NutritionW.com and choose from thousands of your favorite supplements, sports nutrition, pet, and specialty food products today. Nutrition World, partners on your wellness journey. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Holistic Navigator Podcast, where we believe in the body's ability to heal itself. I'm Brian Strickland, the producer of the show. And before we begin today, if you've enjoyed the information provided on this podcast, would you please consider subscribing and leaving us some feedback? We really appreciate the time you take to listen. But when you subscribe and leave a rating and review, it helps us spread the word and potentially make a real impact in people's lives. Well, with that being said, today we're going to be talking about gastroesophageal reflux disease, or GERD for short. And let's be honest, if you've ever experienced heartburn or indigestion, it really sucks. We're going to talk about some of the causes, some of the risks involved, and maybe some products that can actually help reduce those symptoms. So without further delay, let me go ahead and introduce your host on today's podcast, Mr. Ed Jones. Ed, how are you doing today? I could not be better, Brian, and thank you for asking. I had a a wonderful night's sleep, and I put together what I preach and teach uh, back into my life, and now I'm doing well again. Perfect. Uh, Ed, let's go ahead and start talking about GERD. If you could go ahead and introduce what exactly GERD is and why it actually happens. Uh, it is a growing epidemic. And of course, we partner the word GERD with heartburn. And they're, 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 they share a lot of things and there's a couple things not, but we're not going to get into that. But we know that when acid is bubbling up from the stomach, it will go into places that it's really not meant to be. Where is that? The esophagus in the back of the throat. And there's many reasons why this is happening. But any of us who've ever had that experience, it is not pleasant. And it is really crushing sometimes on the feeling of your chest and the discomfort. And there's like you can't even uh, push on it or it's not like something you can massage out. And we all try our little methods of everything from chewing gum to, you know, taking the strong drugs, because this is not something we want to live with. Secondly, is it dangerous? It is if it's long term. And the reason it's dangerous is because the esophagus is a very tender part of the system. And when you put acid on something that doesn't have a mucus layer that can block the damage from the acid, you have potential of getting what's called Barrett's esophagus, which is a precancerous uh, cellular change within the esophagus. Uh, so it's not only discomfort, there is some risk to that. So are there particular times when GERD is worse or may flare up at times? Absolutely. And I want to go through a whole list of the reasons we have it and what I have learned over the decades of how to holistically and truthfully uh, manage the condition. Uh, I want to tell a little personal story. Back in 1995, uh, looking back on it, it was primarily due to stress, but I was having a tremendous amount of stomach issues. 
discomfort in the middle part of the abdomen and uh, uh, not digesting well and gas. And then I was having some heartburn. So I go to a physician. It was actually, believe it or not, the last time I ever made an official visit to a physician was 1995. And he listened to my complaints and he said, you know, it sounds like you have um, a couple things going on, probably some irritable bowel, but you also have GERD, reflux. And he wrote me a prescription for this new blockbuster drug that was going to save the world. And it was called (laughs) Prilosec. Well, I went home and I took a pill and I actually felt better the next day. But my inquisitive mind started turning and twisting with the logic of how does this pill and drug work. Well, when I realized that what it's doing is actually shutting down the uh, ability of the body to produce acid, uh, all of a sudden I started second guessing and saying, well, let's see, acid is super important for taking the protein that I eat and allowing me to break it down into its individual amino acids. And then secondly, I'm started, of course, my own weird mind is, (laughs) I wonder how Vultures eat rotting, rotting food on the side of the road and not get sick. Well, they do that because they have tremendous acid within their system. Guess what? We have that same acid, not to the level of, of vultures, but we have it to protect us from bacteria that, that could end up killing us and other mm-hmm. uh, organisms. So let's say we're cutting this off. Does that make common sense? No, it doesn't. So I called the doctor the next about three days later and I met with him again and I said, uh, I'm not really comfortable with this drug long term. And of course, it was the same old, same old. Don't worry about it. Pat me mm-hmm. on the back. It's been tested. It's all fine. It's all safe. And I never took another pill after that. Because even now, I mean, it, you're not supposed to take it long term, right? Do they actually say that on the package now? Uh, they do. Two weeks is the prescribed recommended time of most of these drugs. Yet, how many of us personally or no family members who say, well, I've been on it for years. Mm-hmm. My doctors never said a word about it. Here's the issue. When you're on it for years, you are going to not slightly, significantly increase your risk of osteoporosis. Well, guess what? That's become epidemic. Hmm. Wonder why that is. Uh, because 20% of the nation's on these drugs. Secondly, uh, C. diff. C. diff is a very lethal uh gastro infection that comes from many times nursing homes and other uh, places where people are sick. Well, the reason that more and more people are getting it is because they don't have stomach acid to kill it. And the reason they don't is because they're getting older, one, but two is they're taking these drugs. My father passed away from C. diff. I know all too well the devastation of that disease. And it is caused by the use of antibiotics and the use of these acid blockers. So two major risk factors. But now, the past two years, more research is showing the negative effects of these drugs on heart disease. So, and then then lastly is memory. So we've got a whole host of reasons to consider, should we be doing this? And um, that's why I'm here. That's why we're talking about it. Because there is options that conventional uh, medical model does not seem to have in their toolbox. Right. So let's go ahead and talk about some of those options. If if these conventional drugs, I mean, are definitely not supposed to be taken long term, what are some of the more natural and holistic options that we can explore? Well, I've I came up with a uh, kind of a idea protocol list several years ago that I found it to be 
very uh, pleasing to those people who uh, attempt to do it this way. But before I even get into it, here's the issue. A lot of people say, well, I'm just not going to take the drug. And when they go off of it, they have a massive flare up of reflux. Why is that? Well, if you remember being a child and you go play with the water hose and you, you, you bend it and, and, and you, you crunch it so there's no water coming out, and then all of a sudden you let go of it, a whole big gushing of water will flow out. Well, that's what happens with Prilosec. What Prilosec type of drugs are, which are called proton pump inhibitors, is they're actually going in. And if you can imagine a, um, uh, a factory and they're all operating, there's lights on, electricity. But we went in and we just turned the fuse box off and every switch to the off position and said, go home. We're going to close this factory. That's what proton pump inhibitor drugs do. And you know what? There's a time and place for that. There is. But it has to be wisely managed, which is not usually happening in this country. So when you decide not to take the drug, the switch has not only come on, but they are coming on with way too much electricity, way too much power. And then you overproduce acid because you have been suppressing it so long. So you get in worse shape. Your, your esophagus is worse, your pain, your discomfort. Well, you know, what a wonderful um, situation business-wise to create a product that people, once they get on, have a very hard time getting off because the body's addicted. And welcome Coca-Cola, because that's exactly what they did without knowing it 100 years ago. All of us who, or those of us who drink Cokes, well, it's hard to get off of them, but at least it's not dangerous. Uh, so Prilosec is a product we have to be respecting and know something more about. So here is my protocol. You ready to hear it? Yep. Let's hear it. I came up with a, uh, another acronym and the acronym is lethal L E T H A L. Now, before I get into the exact particulars, here's what I have to say. Big part of this is retraining the body's own system. Uh, we are certainly programmed and wired to do certain things. We're programmed to digest food when it comes down our path. We're programmed to, like, you know, have the right mucus in our nose, uh, earwax, all these different systems that are so important for homeostasis, which is the, the, the balance of our body. Well, when you're on these drugs, you're not balanced. So we are trying to re-educate the body to learn how to do what it forgot to do. It will take two to three months to do this with the uh, education that I'm about to give you. And it does require a really kind of odd system. So you're, let's just consider, Brian, that you're on Prilosec. And you've been on it for a long time. You have concerns because of the recent studies and the older studies, and you want to get off. And you've attempted on your own to just not take it. It didn't work. You had to keep going back on and on and on because life was miserable. So let's retrain the system. Okay. First thing that has to be done is uh, under the lethal acronym, L stands for a product that I really love called limonene. Limonene is actually an extract of an orange peel oil. And I have uh, come on and off with recommending this for about 20 years, but I am so convinced of its effectiveness. And you can buy many different good brands, and it needs to be about 500 milligrams. And what you will do with limonene is you're going to take uh, one pill in the morning every other day for 
most times 20 to 40 days. Now, it's going to be based on the individual, but you're going to do one pill every other day. What will it do? It's actually going to uh, help you to the esophagus to have some protection. It's going to also do something that I have to explain here. The esophagus at the bar or at the top of the stomach, you have a gasket. And this gasket is no different than a plumbing gasket. And what is happening in so many cases is this, this particular gasket is weakening itself due to multiple reasons. So we want to strengthen it so that the uh, bubbling up of the acid is less likely to occur. Uh, there are people, I will go ahead and say this, that this is not a possibility. Those generally are the ones with an extensive hiatal hernia because that hernia is actually pressing on this gasket and there's not a whole lot we can super do about that, but you never know till you try. So limonene, one pill every other day in the morning. Secondly, the E of lethal is, there are studies done that if you chewed your food very adequately, which most of us don't do, we are in a big hurry, including me. When you chew your food completely adequately, there's about a 40% reduction in the level of GERD and reflux in people. And so following the, our great-grandmother's advice, which is chew slowly and swallow your foods and do all the, the common sense thing, we need to be chewing slower because saliva is a huge part of this digestive system. Uh, third, the T of lethal, you have to know your trigger foods. Well, most of us probably do have an idea of some of those foods, but the standard list is chocolate, peppermint, alcohol, and caffeine. And then the second list is onions, tomatoes, and spices. Those are generally the most common trigger foods. So, so what do so I So basically all the good things then. No. <laughs> no. So what does that mean when I say trigger foods? It's actually weakening the gasket. So all of a sudden, even if you have a strong gasket, these foods like peppermint, one peppermint mint will weaken that gasket if you have a tendency for that. And then here you go. The acid going to bubble up. And if you imagine when you see the National Ge Geographic uh, TV commercials or shows where you have volcanoes and they have these lava beds, well, you'll watch the lava bed and all of a sudden this huge burping from the earth will spew lava. That is exactly what's happening when you loosen that sphincter muscle. And that's why sometimes you'll eat a food. You don't really feel the effects. It could be hours later. And sometimes we don't associate the food. So knowing those foods are triggers does not mean you have to eliminate them. I really like tequila. I also have some GERD, but it doesn't bother me. But guess what? Wine does. The wine, especially red wine, uh, is really devastating to my system. So we have to be an, a detective for our own self. Next is the um, H. Now, this will be the oddest part of this conversation of all, because I don't know of anyone else who has come to this conclusion. When you get off of a uh, proton pump inhibitor, which proton pump inhibitors, there's a whole list of them. Prilosec and Prevacid are the two most common. Uh, what we're trying to do is actually... Just like a drug addict, we are trying to, to detox you. We're trying to uh, help you get off the addictive quality of that drug. How can we do this? Well, that's what I'm speaking about. But here's where it's really odd for me. I'm going to recommend a second drug because the second drug is far less harmful. And it is a stepping stone to retraining the whole system. 
And that second drug is called a histamine blocker. What does that mean? And the drugs that fall into that is Tagamet, Zantac, and Pepsid. A histamine blocker is, if you go back to the same analogy of that factory, that the uh, proton pump inhibitor philosophy, we go in and shut down the whole thing. Well, guess what? A histamine blocker does is we're actually making a phone call to the factory and say, you know what? Um, we're just going to sh- we're going to shut you down for just a few days and we want you to come back in a week due to bad weather coming or due to some supply problems. We can't have the materials to build what you're building. And we're just doing this with a phone call. We're not going in and physically making it shut down. We're just asking it to shut down less. So what are the reasons that I prefer histamine blockers uh, temporarily? They don't cause C. diff. They don't cause uh, you to lose bone mass. They do reduce your acid, so that's still the same issue, but it doesn't cause the other diseases. If my dad had been on Tagamin instead of Prilosec, who knows how much longer he could have lived. And the thing is, those kind of drugs have gone out of favor with the medical system because they like bigger, better, and later. So because they don't shut down the whole system, these are okay to take long-term? Well, they're better okay long-term, okay. but here's the protocol. And and I'm going to get into this. The very first thing you want to do is you're going to want to start tapering the proton pump drugs. And what I mean by that is whatever dose you take every day, you're going to start skipping one day. Like if you do the Prilosex on Monday, then on Tuesday, you won't do it, but you have to do something. That something would be a, a histamine blocker. Now, I am not giving medical advice. I'm not telling you how to treat your disease. I'm telling you how to maintain optimal levels and health of your esophagus and your intestines. So we uh, ask your doc if you're being treated and run it past them. And if they like it, fine. If they don't, then find another doc. Every other day, you're going to, to consider doing one tagament in the morning and one tagament in the evening. That's on your off days of the proton pump inhibitor. What is this doing? One is you're using a less toxic drug. Secondly, is it slowly starting to work with that that massive off button that's been pushed for so long? And it's being gentler as far as retraining the fact that, you know, there's a little acid will be fine because uh, histamine blockers do not block all acids. They block most of them, but it's going to retrain you. And with the additional additional stuff that we're going to talk about, it makes life really easy, not perfect. You're still going to have flare-ups, but so that is what I want, you know, to get across on the histamine blocker drugs. Next, the one uh, absolute uh, nutritional product that I have been probably the happiest with in 20, 25 years in the category of digestive support is called Absorbate, A-B-S-O-R-B-A-I-D, Absorbate. It is uh, a really interesting product, totally natural from A to Z. The company actually only makes three products. And I have, uh, even though I've dealt with uh, hundreds of products in that line, I still love Absorbate the best. And it only has these basic ingredients, lipase, amylase, protease, cellulase, and lactase. So what is this going to do? When you take these, which you hopefully will with every single meal, two, you are going to supply the digestive support that has been many times sorely lacking. When you don't digest food, guess what happens? It pushes again on the sphincter muscle. It also doesn't allow you to digest the nutrients. It also doesn't move down the intestines the proper way. Many things happen. And 
this uh, digestive support of absorbate will um, generally help take care of those uh, lackings within our own body. And so two of these with every single meal. So are these particular ones, are they any different than other digestive enzymes? Is there something, you know, unique about them? It seems unique and I can't explain the uniqueness. The reason I find it and I'm so loyal to it is because some of the other digestive enzymes can actually make you worse. You have to be very cautious and careful with uh, some of the others. Uh, and it's odd. I just hard to explain it. But no one has gotten worse on Absorbate that I've ever, ever dealt with. OK, uh, so that's that's a good question. The next and the last of this lethal acronym is L for lifestyle. Here's a couple things I found out. I had heartburn really bad even after starting all the right things. And I could not for the life of me. I was doing all the right things. I had not been on the drugs. And yet, like six o'clock in the evening or at nighttime or this or that, I'd have these massive flare ups. And then I realized when I kept thinking more about the sphincter muscle, I was bench pressing and I was doing those pause presses where the bar would sink into my chest. Well, uh, does not that make sense that that's pretty close to the uh, sphincter muscle that's on the esophagus? The thing is, every time I pressed on it, it was probably squeezing it. And then hours later, here comes the lava burping back up on me. And then I went to yoga classes and all of a sudden I had it again. So some of the movements in yoga was pushing on the sphincter muscle. So I'm telling people, you have grandkids and they're little. If they step on your belly, could be an issue. If you're pushing or you're leaning over something, you're leaning over a chair and you you push on those abdomen, any parts of it, you could have a flare up later. Well, nothing's going to fix that except realizing what you did wrong. So that's part of the, the um, exercise um, risk that you have to analyze to make mm-hmm. sure you're not doing that. I am a huge, huge fan, and I will actually be speaking of this in other podcasts of inclined bed therapy. There's a gentleman uh, that I have been really following that has this research on if you can incline the front of the top of the, the head side of your bed by five to six inches, not only will this reflux probably get better, but almost everything does from nighttime urination to not waking up with your eyes swollen to actually not having fluid settle in the bottom part of your body because when you're at an incline, it actually moves the fluids all night long instead of it settling. It's very similar to the sap of a tree. And when the sap of a tree, part of it comes down, it actually pushes the other part up in despite gravity. Well, incline the bed by five to six inches is a huge, huge deal. And lastly, uh, Brian is and it's a touchy subject, but if someone is is overweight and obese and have a huge uh, body mass, that makes sense again that the sphincter muscle will be pressed on. So you're going to be doing limonene once every other day, absorbate with every single meal, two capsules, and you're going to learn how to rotate the drug of choice with permission of your healthcare professional. And after one to two months, the goal is to go completely to the histamine blocker drugs. That would probably have to last a few weeks, and then you start tapering off it completely. And usually within three to four months, you have retrained the system in order to not have the discomfort. But the truth of the matter is we all are going to have some flare-ups due to our life, our foods, our stress, our sleep, or this or that. And so you need to put together a toolkit. 
This toolkit is the non-toxic toolkit that you use when things are not feeling as well in this area. What is that? One is apple cider vinegar, which I actually would recommend every day if you're willing to do it. But if you don't want to do it every day, have it in your reserve and you need to drink uh, about a tablespoon. You can mix it in some water, a little honey or a little fruit juice and do get the kind that has the mother, not the clear. We want the one that's organic and the one that has the, the enzymes in it. You can do it when you have an, a flare-up, or you can do it with each meal, because there's a huge theory that uh, is always been circulating that part of the reason we make too much acid is because we don't have enough, and the body's trying to overcompensate. We don't need to get in that, but the apple cider vinegar does deal with that. The other last toolkit that you need, DGL, deglycerized uh, licorice extract. If you tuck uh, DGL, you chew the big tablet or wafer, within 8 to 10 minutes, what will happen is the esophagus and the stomach is going to start producing a mucus layer. This is not like mucus brine that you're blowing out of your nose, but it is a protective mucus that we have a ton of at 15 years old, and we have a sig significantly less at 50 years old and sometimes even uh, younger. What DGL will do is put that new layer of mucus back into the whole track. If you have enough mucus, it will protect you from even some of these lava flare-ups uh, up to a point, but we don't. So DGL, I don't like the taste. I will be honest. I do not like licorice, but it's worth the effects uh, because it really does work and it's safe. You cannot take straight licorice to do this. Why? It will elevate your blood pressure to, to actually try it with real licorice. The DGL means they've taken the part of the licorice uh, a molecule out that would have caused you to have high blood pressure. With, fact, I'm sorry, with, with the apple cider vinegar, would tablets and capsules be as effective um, as, as drinking it? Because I know some people are really sensitive to that taste too. You know, I've done both. I do do believe significantly that I prefer the liquid, but I am like you and I, and I can almost do anything, but it's not something I totally prefer. And I have used and recommended the tablets if it is from a good company, I certainly would recommend trying it because here's the other thing about apple cider vinegar. It's a little tough on the enamel of the teeth. So if you do it consistently, rinse your mouth out with at least water before you uh, b before you move on because it is a pretty strong acid, which is what we want. Yeah, and you, you can reduce it with water. It's probably not a great idea to take it straight up, is it? Uh, not, not for me, no. <laughs> But mixed in a little bit of water, I'm able to do it. But I'll tell you, anytime I do feel uh, nauseous or I feel sick at my stomach, it is a miracle worker for mm -hmm. how I can, within three to five minutes, I am just so much more improved. Right. So we've gone through the whole protocol of that. I do want to say that, you know, I'm a huge, uh, my wisdom really comes being connected to what I call ancient wisdom which is the way that nature put us together and honoring and respecting that uh, method of how the body operates. And anytime we get off of that philosophy, there's generally a payday to be had. So the more arrogance we become and have believing we can outsmart Mother Nature, the deeper we're going to fall into the quicksand of poor health. There is just no doubt about it. And that is absolute with these uh, acid blocking drugs. 
Uh, there, you know, again, I go back to we're, we're not talking about treating your condition. You go and you ask if you can do this, if you're being treated. And if you're not, you know, do what you want. But uh, I'm really concerned about this nation and the health of people. In fact, the amount of, of stories I hear of children being put on this drug at three and four and five and six years old. We did not used to have this epidemic of uh, esophageal issues. And uh, it's really uh, disheartening because when we start all these children on again, drugs that are are artificially turning off switches that nature put into us as a huge component of health, it is terribly, terribly frightening. Yeah. I know you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, the hiatal hernia. Is there anyone experiencing that or suffering from that? Is there anything that can actually be effective? Well, you know, I actually made a comment that, you know, there was um, less hope. I guess I would make it sound if you had a hiatal hernia that was significant. And that is still true. But for the modest people, there is one single remedy of choice that I have actually been very excited about. But it always kind of stays under the radar uh, with publications. But it is a type of uh, alginate as alginate that what you do is you chew this big tablet or, cat or, or a chewable wafer and it's going to form almost a new gasket at your esophagus by the method of how it works. And I'm a, a big fan of life extension. And the name of that product, Brian, is what? Uh, esophageal guardian. Esophageal guardian. And it's so interesting. I have used it. I don't have a hernia, but I did it because I'm the self-appointed guinea pig of the United States and I'm willing to try anything. <laughs> so send me any pills you have and I will take one of them oh just Lord. for hope. No, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> yeah, please don't go there. <laughs> uh, another final point, uh, Brian, I know everyone's going to be thinking this. Well, everyone says take probiotics for the gut. Won't that help on this reflux issue? You know, my take is that if that's all you do, it's going to be uh, very minimal. And it is not part of the, the first part of the protocol would not involve that. However, as we and I have done a podcast uh, on the Holistic Navigator on probiotics, which was so interesting with Brenda Watson, the probably the guru of the country on this, uh, we have to address it for all parts of health. But don't expect to take a probiotic and then walk away from your drugs. It's probably not going to happen. You need to probably do something like we have discussed on this show. Uh, but do add it in. Again, we are all about the orchestra that needs to play to produce optimal health. And I do want to say there is a class of people who feel like that they have GERD and heartburn in the traditional sense, and they don't. And what it really comes down to in the functional medicine approach is that stress is causing a certain chemistry in the body to produce this, this, this discomfort that is not really associated with all of the normal reasons. Again, going to a wise healthcare practitioner for diagnostic purposes is really the probably the only way you'll know absolutely for sure. But you can certainly try any of these things that we talk about today, as long as you're not on drugs that would interact. And again, ask your healthcare professional on that. Well, everyone, that's it for this week's episode of The Holistic Navigator. I truly enjoyed doing this, and I hope you truly enjoyed listening. Just remember, if a doctor cannot do you good, he must be kept from doing harm. That was from Hippocrates a long time ago. Thank you so much for listening, and have a healthy and safe day. 
The information on this podcast and the topics discussed have not been evaluated by the FDA or anyone of the medical profession and is not aimed to replace any advice you may receive from your medical practitioner. The Holistic Navigator assumes no responsibility or liability whatsoever on the behalf of any purchaser or reader of these materials. The Holistic Navigator is not a doctor, nor does he claim to be. Please consult your physician before beginning any health regimen. 